0: This episode of the Duke Basketball Report podcast is brought to you by Bird Campbell, P-A. Bird Campbell means business. Hello, and welcome to episode 91 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Remember, remember, it's Sunday, the 5th of November, 2017. Guys, the season's right around the corner. It's time to do a Duke basketball season preview, the third one we've done for this show. Uh, I'm excited. I hope you guys are excited. Before we dive right into that, uh, I'll introduce everybody. I am Sam Klein. I'm your host this week. I am joined by Donald Wine in Washington, D.C.,
1: Hey guys, uh, actually, you know, in, in true fashion, I am not in Washington, D.C. this weekend. I am in Nashville, Tennessee, eating my chicken. My apologies. And, uh... My apologies. No, it's all good. It's all good. You know me. I'm on the road a lot, uh, but uh, it's good to be here in Nashville and it it's good. We're ready for basketball season to start. I'm excited.
0: Dude, amazing. And, uh, and in Atlanta, Jason Evans.
2: Hey, so I'm in Atlanta. Can I tell a quick Nashville story just really fast? Absolutely so when i was dating my wife this is back this is 1988 before you guys were even born i'm dating my wife we're in atlanta i'm older i'm older than that yeah i I, I wasn't born yet (laughs) so uh, i'm dating my wife um uh, she's in atlanta i'm in atlanta she's visiting atlanta for the summer and she wanted to go to nashville um, just because she hadn't really been to the South, so one weekend we drove from Atlanta to Nashville. It's not a very long drive, it's like a four hour drive. It was really easy. And uh, we had made reservations at a very nice um uh Italian restaurant in Nashville that was fairly close to our hotel uh and and our reservation was for uh seven o'clock, which is a perfectly reasonable time to have a reservation for a hotel. Uh, sorry, for a restaurant. So we arrived and we got there. We got there, it was like six thirty, six forty-five, maybe. You know, it was early, but not super early. Um, there weren't a ton of people in the place. And I, uh, when I checked in with the maitre D, I said, I said, hey, I know it's a little bit early. We're going to have a drink at the bar. You can come get us in just a little bit. Um, and he said, okay, no problem, sir. So we go to the bar and uh, we have our drink. And we're sitting there, we're kind of waiting for the maitre d' to come over and take us to our table. And so 6.45 becomes 7, which is when our restaurant, our reservation was supposed to happen, becomes 7.15. It gets to be 7.30. And we're just still sitting here waiting. And I'm like, what is up with this guy? Why is he not? And, and other people have come in after us and they've been seated. I'm like, why are we not being seated? So I go up to the maitre d' and I go, look, I, I don't want to be mean or anything, but why are you not seating us? And he looks at me for a second and he goes, you're from Atlanta, aren't you? Now, That was a weird question to get. (laughs) I'm like, uh, yes, as a matter of fact, we are. He said, sir, we're on central time zone. You came from the eastern time zone. It's not your reservation time yet. Your reservation isn't for another (laughs) 30
0: minutes. (laughs) Good work. Especially and especially pertinent story today because it was daylight savings last night.
2: Exactly. So I nice. I slinked I slinked back to the bar and I said to my girlfriend at the time my wife and I said, "We'll be seated really soon. <laughs> it's way way when I said it was early we were way early," and we laughed about that. So that's my amusing Nashville story.
0: I like it. So, funny personal stories aside, do you guys want to talk uh, briefly about Duke's win over Bowie State this past uh, this past weekend? Yes. Or should or should we, should we get into it? that? Sure. So. So Duke beat Bowie State uh, 116 to 53. It was basically not close uh, from the very tip. Uh, Duke Duke overmatched Bowie State basically in every way. The one notable thing about this game, and and I'll let you guys kind of dig deeper into it, but um, for for if you didn't get a chance to watch it, the interesting thing was that a number of Duke's freshmen, specifically Trayvon Duvall, Jordan Goldwire, and Alex O'Connell, were suspended for this game. Um, the report that we got during the game on on air and and also after the game was that it was some combination of uh, missing classes or, or academic reasons, not issues that sound like they're going to be ongoing for those guys. But Duke was really thin in the guard rotation, and it showed because Duke had to play a lot of big guys in places where maybe they wouldn't before. And I and I, you know, we'll come back to this when we do the grand season preview about how much. Uh, about how much big man rotation we're going to see this year. So it was, on the one hand, it was an interesting game because we did get to see a lot deeper onto the bench between those guys being suspended and and also just the game being a blowout so quickly. Um, But we have to be careful about how it clouds our uh, judgment of of the way this team is going to play going forward. So I'll start with Jason. What did you take away from this Bowie State game that you think is actually useful kind of going forward into the regular season?
2: Uh, am I allowed to say nothing? No, no, nothing is not my answer. But I mean, Bowie State is not good compared to Duke. Um, they are, they are no Northwest Missouri State. Northwest Missouri State, of course, we played a week ago, uh, is the best team in Division Two. And and I actually and uh, I actually think Northwest Missouri State could compete with a number of Division One teams, even some sort of kind of decent Division One teams. Bowie State, no, no, th- th- they were barely five hundred. Last year in Division Two, and they're supposed to be a little bit better this year. They're con- they're considered one of the contenders for their conference. Like they're picked, I think, second in their conference. So they aren't an awful team, but th- that's a Division Two team. Um, uh, and uh, look, the the fact that Duke didn't have those three guards who who make up a a significant portion of our perimeter rotation meant that we played really really big. And Bowie State is not big. There were a number of moments in this game. Where Duke had four guys on the floor together, who all four of them—well, we had five guys, but four of our five guys on the floor were taller than anyone on the Bowie State team. I mean, we to say we controlled the boards, that we controlled everything inside. To say that we were more physical and better athletes, these are all givens against someone like Bowie State. But let's talk about a few things that did matter a little bit. And the first one I'll mention is Gary Trent Jr decided that he was going to start shooting from a foot or two further back. So rather than taking long two-pointers, he started taking three-pointers. And that was a really good thing because he hit a lot of them. Um, he had a, a fabulous game from the perimeter, uh, five of nine from three-point range. Um, his stroke looks so smooth. He, it just It's so beautiful. The way he squares his shoulders and his release and the such, uh, he, he's, he's going to be a, a really good scorer for Duke. And he's showing that he can absolutely hit the um, three-pointer with ease. Uh, And that's a big deal for Duke. I want to talk about uh, Grayson Allen for a second. Uh, To say that Grayson Allen is spectacular sort of doesn't do it justice. Um, Whether he was in the lane, whether he was firing from deep, whether he was running the show for the team, he looks absolutely like his sophomore self that was arguably the best player in the country. Um, And, you know, everyone likes to talk about with freshmen especially, how the game's moving too fast for them. With Grayson Allen, it looks like the game is moving in slow motion. I mean, he is seeing everything three steps before it happens. The the football pass he made to Bagley, you know, I I forget who it was, came down with a rebound, gave the ball to Grayson, and Grayson turned around and immediately reared back like a quarterback and threw a football pass length of the court to Marvin Bagley that, that Bagley laid in beautifully. And by the way, I mean, Bagley... God Bagley moves up the floor so gracefully but I mean for Grayson Allen he was in complete control this game he had to play a lot of point guard because Trevon Duval wasn't around and so hey rather than scoring a lot although Grayson scored 21 points he had 11 assists um he 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 just played he played a great game and and then let me really quickly get to the big man um Javin Delorier, uh you know was again Duke's energy guy um, not off the bench. He started this game, uh, but he picked up some fouls. And, and so we didn't get to see quite as much of a Deloria as I would have liked. But um, I think that allowed uh, Marcus uh, Marquise Bolden to, to really play uh, more minutes than he would have uh, ordinarily gotten. And I thought Bolden looked as assertive and confident as he has all year. And that is what he needs um uh, for Bolden the 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 light bulb that must come on is the light bulb that says I am confident in what I'm doing I'm going to uh I- I'm going to be assertive on the floor and I mean uh, Bolden absolutely looked fabulous he he had a, a great he had a couple really nice passes and by the way god our big to big passing our passing between our big men especially you know high post low post and and across the lane and things like that was incredible that was probably the, the biggest takeaway from this game was the quality of the passing, especially among the big guys. And it's scary to think how much better these guys are going to get at, at playing together. They're this good after only playing together for, like, less than a month. It although, is amazing. Get good. Go I was
0: going to say, although, to be fair, Mark Wiesboulden was generally being guarded by guys who were six to eight inches shorter than he is and, and also a lot lighter. So, um,
2: yes, hesitate. Yes, as but, always
0: to, to, to heap the praise, but yeah, but the, 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 passing, like if he's confident passing, he's confident passing. Right.
2: Yes. And, well, but, but he and Carter took really nice hook shots in the lane and they the moves that they made in the lane. Yes. They were playing against guys who were smaller and not as physical as them, but they were uh, to some extent saw them, both making moves that I think um, will be successful against guys who are even bigger. Um, So I, you know, it was great, but I mean, look, this game was twenty-eight to three at one point. Think about that score, twenty-eight to three.
0: There was a there was a period where I thought we were just going to shut them out, and uh, yeah, that was. I mean, yeah, it was it was over quickly. Donald, tell me tell me about your reaction to this game.
1: Well, Jason took a couple of them away from me. Uh, the one thing I wanted to talk about first of all uh, was Marquise Bolden and the confidence that this game gave him um, is really going to be something that we need down the road. You got to have, you know, last year he didn't play with that confidence. He didn't play like he belonged on the court. And there is times during this game where he was absolutely. 100% belonging on the court and played with the confidence that we need to see him play with, especially when you mix in with the other guys. That's going to be crucial going forward. I also like the energy that we had on defense. We had, I mean, obviously we talk about how Bowie State was uh, a little bit, uh, you know, they're way overmatched uh, and very undersized. But to grab 58 rebounds, that means that we were energetic on the defensive end. We got five five steals, ten blocks. Um, those are, I'm sorry, was it eight steals or five steals? Either way, we were very energetic on the defensive end. That is what, you know, honestly, when I first started watching Duke basketball, that's how we fed. That's the momentum. That's how we feed off of the crowd, getting a defensive stop or a turnover or a steal or a block and going on the other end and converting into points. That's what breaks people's momentum. That's what you know, breaks the psyche of the other team, and that's what puts Duke on top. And I think that's what we saw a lot of this game that's what I wanted to see is translate into the
0: regular season. Yeah, that's a great point. The The only thing I wanted to add, and it's uh, w- it was a comment on the rotation. I think that, you know, like I said at the top, we don't want to read too much into the rotation that we saw this weekend because so many of the guards were out. And in particular, Trayvon Duvall, who's going to play 30 plus minutes a game for this team this year. But um, so just looking at, at, at the rest of the rotation, I did think it was interesting that Justin Robinson appears to be ahead of Antonio Vrankovic um, for kind of that fifth big man spot, because I think going into the season, maybe a few months ago, we would have said that that Robinson was probably still buried on the bench and there was like no way he was coming into games. And now it appears he he has a little bit more trust from the coaching staff and it's it shown because he's made a couple of plays in those limited minutes that he's had in exhibition. So I'm curious to see if friend of the podcast, Justin Robinson, um, can carve out perhaps a small role on this team uh, going
2: forward. We'll see. Uh, so the one thing I'd say about just, uh, and I took a note about that. I was like, Justin Robinson's the second man off the bench. Oh my God. This is probably the first time in his career that he's played in the first five minutes of a game <laughs> and, and good for him. Look, he's clearly a kid who's been working at his game a lot. And, and I thought, look, he came in, he blocked shots. He made some good passes. Uh, I mean, he's sort of uh he's sort of Javin Delorier light because he, he is another energy guy coming off the bench. And I love that role for him. I, I just wonder I think that part of why you may have seen him so early was Duke. uh, I mean, we needed guys who could play even a little tiny bit on the perimeter. Um, I mean, when Justin Robinson came in, he was playing shooting guard for Duke Uh, (laughs) uh, and he's, he's not that he's going to be a, you know, if he ever plays for Duke, I think it's going to be as a power forward probably because um, he's he's reasonably tall and and he doesn't really have shooting guard kind of skills. But he's got more shooting guard skills than Antonio Vrankovic does. <laughs> sure. So I, I, I sort of think that's why he came in. Are we about could we really be about to wrap up the conversation about the exhibition and have not talked about what Wendell Carter did in this game? because
0: jason jason you're the you're the resident wendell carter expert and and giant fan
2: so why don't you tell us so how about 23 points 14 rebounds eight of them offensive three assists a block shot and oh yeah he hit 11 out of 13 field goals and so he missed his only three-pointer and i think. If my memory is correct, the only other field goal he missed was one where it looked to me like he kind of threw it up there so that he, because he was in position to get the rebound. And so he, he, he would put himself in better position by missing the shot and grabbing the rebound than he would by actually taking the shot. So I don't think he actually missed a shot that he intended to make other than the three-pointer. That's a pretty so darn... Saying, go ahead. I
1: he had a terrible
2: game. <laughs> he was... He was amazing. He yeah. was amazing I, I think that that
0: my general takeaway from the exhibition season has been you know like wow factors for all the freshmen for who you know the, the ones who we expect to play and then even some of the ones we don't um, just just how how comfortable a lot of them seem and I think this this has been kind of a general trend the last few years that the freshmen every year it seems come in more and more ready to play at this level and, and at, the, at the division one speed. And, and, and Carter has been no exception to that.
2: Hey, and, and let me ask you guys really quickly, I'd love to know your impression of this. So last year we had this incredibly highly touted freshman class, just like we do this year. Now, admittedly, Harry Giles was hurt. Um, and, and look, early on, I think every single other one of them got hurt. But do you, do you feel the same way I do, that, that the current freshman Really look a lot better than the freshman did last year at this point
0: yeah I, I think that I think that relative to last year and and you know i w- I would challenge anybody to go back and, and listen to our our previous episodes. I feel like going into last year the optimism was was like unbridled and 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 like out of control for for the freshman class, I think based a lot on harry Giles's earlier high school career and it's amazing i think that this year that if anything the excitement isn't as high for a group that has you know top 3 pick marvin bagley and you know all around appearingly great guy Wendell carter and and eventual you know superstar shooter gary trent and all these guys um it, it it's kind of surprising that it's not as highly touted or or not as kind of hyped up as it was last year and that's also considering the Duke is number one in a number of the preseason um, rankings, uh, at, which I, I don't think maybe reflects how good they are now, but perhaps how they're going to be by the time
1: the season ends. Well, there's also the fact that, and I'm not saying this is probably this is why it's spread or anything. It could be where we take, you know, we take the lessons we learned from last year and apply them to this year, and that's why there's not as much hype surrounding. This group of freshmen, in, in relative to last year's, because I think a lot of people probably looked at last year and they said, you know, 40-0, no, this this team's going all the way, this team's going to be unstoppable, and they were very stoppable during the season. Uh, we found that out very quickly that, you know, we felt, in, you know, we felt to the injury bug, we felt to a lot of different issues, and I think this time around, people are probably saying this team is just as good if not better than last year, but. We still have to reserve some judgment until the regular season starts. And I think that is where you can kind of, you know, we're going to have a great test in a, in a, in a week um, against Michigan State, who's ranked number, right, number two in the preseason uh, polls. So I think that's going to be where people will say, okay, this team may be for real. And I think that is where, you know, we're probably holding back until that point.
0: Uh, on that note, and on the note of, of getting ready for the season and talking about big stat numbers and and all that kind of stuff wrapped up together, we're gonna start our third annual uh, preseason prediction guessing game uh, that we we initiated a couple years ago. Um, we've gotten a little bit more organized for it each year, uh, so so we're all we're all ready to go here. I will say that um, before we get into it, um, just like a programming note, we're not gonna do the Detailed uh, previews of Elon and Utah Valley, who are Duke's two opponents for this week, we're saving them for another episode. We're going to do this week because we wanted to split this up a little bit. Um, and we also have—I know that Jason teased this on the on the forum. We have a, an interview coming with a with an ACC coach uh, that will also show up in that episode later this week. So, um, so we're actually going to be doing two episodes this week because just there's there's a lot to talk about. And uh, with that. Uh, are you guys ready to uh, play our annual uh, stats prediction games?
1: As ready as I'll ever
2: be. All right. Uh, uh, wait, wait, wait! It, it is very important that you remind the folks who won last year.
0: Jason, I think won the game last year. Oh, I don't um, think I know. I know, Jason, guys. <laughs> Jason won the game last year. Um, but, Why are you
1: bringing up old stuff, Jason? Like that was like yeah, you know, we like got a cool year ago.
0: We got we got to look ahead. Um, you know. Today is today. Yesterday was yesterday. So with that, um, what we're going to do is we're going to go through a number of of categories and questions um, that we have all we have prepared ahead of time. We know what we're all going to answer. We don't know what the others are going to answer. So we're going to be um, we're going to be going through these and and kind of taking down notes. Hopefully, we don't overlap too much because it's more fun when we don't. Um, but with that, I'm going to start with our first category, which is who's going to score the most points for Duke this season, Donald.
1: I have
2: Grayson Allen and Jason. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean Grayson Allen, and it won't be close.
0: Yeah, I I, I agree with you guys. Um, it, it, unfortunately, we're not going to disagree on this, and it makes sense, right? He's the he's the returning four year superstar um, who scores a lot of points anyway. So, uh, all right, maybe this maybe the second category will be more interesting. Most rebounds on the team, Jason.
2: Uh, again, it won't be close. Wendell Carter, Donald. I think it. I think it will be
1: close, but I do also think it'll be Wendell Carter.
0: Interesting. All right, I'm going with Marvin Bagley. Um, I actually had Carter written down here, and, uh, and 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 I'm and then I changed it right before we started. Um, so give me uh, give me Marvin Bagley, even though I'm I'm sure I'm going to end up being wrong on this. All right, third category. <laughs> Third category, blocked shots. I'm going to go first this time. I am going with Wendell Carter for most blocked shots. Donald?
1: So this one was the one that, you know, of all the categories that we're going through, I had the most trouble coming up with a a decision. Uh, In the end, I also went with Wendell Carter, but I I don't feel confident about that pick because I think a lot of guys on this team can block some shots, and I, I reserve the right to be
2: wrong in this category
0: jason are you gonna take are you gonna take bagley or bolden or delorier uh
2: i'm i'm taking bagley um this i agree with donald this was a really tough one at one point i wrote down carter at one point i wrote down bagley at one point i wrote down bolden at one point i wrote down delorier um but i'm going with bagley and i but i will say this if we were doing blocks per minute played it'd be javin delorier and it wouldn't be close
0: and 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 that's that's a, an interesting thing, and we're going to get to that in a few categories from now when we talk about the big man rotation. Um, I I agree with you and had the same kind of thought process that if Deloria somehow earns twenty five minutes a game, um, this could be a more interesting category. But I, I'm I'm also going with uh, with Carter. Let's move to uh, let's move to assists. This one shouldn't be especially controversial, Jason.
2: Uh, Trevon Duvall and
0: Donald. Beautiful. Yeah, I he's playing point guard, right? So unless he uh unless he keeps having academic troubles, um can't see how this goes any other way. Uh Steals. This one this one could be more interesting because we have a couple of guards in the rotation who uh all have I I would I think they all have pretty good um defensive chops. But uh Donald, who do you think's getting the most steals this year for Duke?
1: Uh, for this one I was I was deciding between uh, Trayvon Duval and Gary Trent Junior and Grace Allen because Grace Allen has been you know one of our you know best stealers the last few years. In the end, I think in a mild upset I'm gonna go with Duval. Um only because I think this one will be the closest of the categories. I think those three will be separated by a few steals and I think in the end it'll be Duvall.
2: Jason? I also went with Duvall, but I agree that, oh. um, that it could—it really could be Trent. Trent has a real shot here. I don't think Allen has much. You know, Grayson Allen only averaged point eight steals per game last year. He, um, I, uh, I, I think Duvall will take it, but I think it could be really close with Gary Trent.
0: Yeah, I, I have Duvall written down. I'm, I'm tempted to go take Trent just to make this more interesting, but, but let's let, let let's keep going and and see how see how the rest of this plays out. All right, our sixth category is highest field goal percentage. And we're saying that you have to attempt, you have to have at least one field goal attempt per game. So if Duke plays 35 games this year, you have to have at least had 35 field goal attempts. So I'm going to take Marvin Bagley in this category. Uh, Jason, who do you think?
2: Wendell Carter.
0: And Donald. Bagley.
2: Okay, interesting. Y'all are crazy. <laughs> All right. That's fine. But the guy just the guy just went 11 for 13 in the most against
0: league. against a totally overmatched team.
2: Yeah, uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. The only way, I must say this, you ready for bull production? The only way Wendell Carter doesn't win this is if there's some sort of weird freaky thing where Vrankovic, you know, barely qualifies or something like that. Like I wish it wasn't one attempt per game. I wish it was more like two or three attempts per game and then I wouldn't have to worry about you know, Frankovic or, or Justin Robinson or Jack we can, Weir, listen, or
0: like we, we, we can change. Do you want me to call this 1.5 attempts per game? Call it two. Call it two. All right. We're, we're changing I mean, the rules of the game. It doesn't change it. Go. I'm
2: just saying, I'm just saying, unless it's some just weird tech against one. it. Yeah. 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 I understand.
0: So we're going to do the same thing on the, on the next category, our seventh category, which is highest three point percentage. Um, I set it as at minimum half of an attempt per game. So Duke plays 35 games, uh, you're going to have to have uh, 17 and a half uh, <laughs> three point attempts, if that makes sense. Um, so I'm, I'm taking Grayson Allen in this category. Uh, Donald, who do you have for three point percentage?
1: I'm going to go
2: with Gary Trent.
0: I was hoping that someone would uh, because I think that those are the two that, that it's down to, right? Jason, what do you think?
2: I, I also went with Grayson Allen. Um, I think the basket looks really, really big to him right now. Hey, hey! Before we go on to your next ones, because we're sort of done with the players, we're sort of getting yeah. into team things. Seeing as we pick the same for so many of these, can I ad lib one? Can we ask second most points per game or second most points scored? Yeah, and we let's all do that. Grayson all right. Allen, I think okay. second most could be interesting.
0: Okay, uh, why don't you why don't you lead us off then?
2: So I'll say second most points is going to be Gary Trent.
1: Okay. All right, hmm. Donald. I'm gonna go back
2: later. Yeah,
0: I was thinking the same thing. Um, so for the for the sake of the the fun of the game, I'm gonna take Wendell Carter. Um,
2: nice, nice. It could be all three of any one of those three guys. I mean, yeah, I,
0: I think those guys are all fair picks. And honestly, you know, I, I could see it happening for Duvall too. Although I think it's a lot less likely than any of those guys.
2: So um, you guys' picks are locked in, right? You're locked in.
0: Yeah, that that's it.
2: Okay, I'm gonna win that category because Gary Trent is going to get more opportunity those other guys cuz Duke doesn't have as many guys in the perimeter as they have guys inside. ha. We'll see. We'll see.
0: Uh, <laughs> it's easier for go. those guys to score. They get the ball closer to the basket.
2: That's a good point, but Gary Trent's shots count for more when they're behind the three-point line. That is
0: true. That is true. All right. So that's <laughs> that, that that does it for the um for like the individual stats categories. We're going to now move to um some about the team in general. So the the first one here is total number of wins um and I'll let I'll let Donald start on
1: total wins. Well, obviously, obviously, since we are going to win the national championship this year, bold prediction, I'm going with
2: 37 wins.
1: That's a big number. Oh,
2: no, no. That's the same number I have. Oh. Perfect.
0: All right, great. I'm going to continue oh. my pessimism streak and I'm going to go with 34. Um, 34. Yeah, because, uh, because, because I think that just like last year, even, even with health, um, this team's going to get caught a couple times just being inexperienced. Um, and that's just yeah, how it is. I, so
2: I, I agree with you, but we're going to go 37-3. and three.
0: Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Um, uh, the next category, uh, which is one I don't think we had done before, is total number of true road wins. And I'm, I'm adding the caveat that you can count uh, BS NCAA tournament games like if we have to play South Carolina in Greenville or something like that. Um, so,
2: wait, so before we do this, I, I have to clarify something. I yeah. Want to go
0: ahead sure. and go ahead and clarify the ones that are on the schedule.
2: Yeah. So first of all, Portland State in Portland, of course, counts as a true road game, right? Absolutely. Correct. Right. Sa- same with St. John's in Madison Square Garden.
0: Yep. That is right. a that is a St. John's game.
2: But Michigan State uh, in wherever where we play them like it's, the United it's in United Chicago. Chicago. Chicago, that Iowa. one does not count. That is no, not a road not count. game, count. right? No. Okay. All right. That's all I needed uh, to know.
0: Okay. Um, and, and we are playing at Indiana. It is the, only, is the only prominent non-conference games outside of the ones that you mentioned. Um, and then all the ones in the ACC, of course.
2: Yeah. So, so it's, uh, it's a total, uh, unless there is a bullshit NCAA tournament situation again, um, it should be 12 total games.
0: Uh, yeah, that looks right. So 13
2: total row games. 13 Wait, or 12? You, 13. How do you have 13? It's 12. Because I have, uh,
1: we have 9, 10. was 9 in ACC, yeah. St. John's, Portland State, Indiana, and um, who am I missing?
2: Oh, maybe it's 12. 9 plus 3, yeah. 12 total. 12 total. Yeah, 9 plus 3 still equals 12, even with new math.
1: Well, I was thinking there was a 13th
0: one. My bad. <laughs> uh, all right. So Magic. with that, with that, since you, guys, since you guys think that we're going to win 37 games this year, I got to imagine that you have like 10 or 11 true road wins, right,
2: Jason? 11. 11. Although, and, and I'll tell you something. I mean, other than, other than in Chapel Hill and at Miami, I mean, are there any other games that are going to be even close? I, I don't. Yeah. So I'm too optimistic. I'm, I'm too optimistic.
0: I'm, I'm taking nine because I see those two. I also see as possibilities any among Indiana, NC State, because we always seem to have trouble there, um, and, uh, and Virginia Tech. All these, all these teams seem to give us fits on the road. So uh, I got nine with Miami, UNC,
2: and, and one other of those. Donald? I have ten true road wins. Y'all are both wrong. All right, (laughs) all
1: right.
0: Um, I'm, 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 I'm really, I'm trying to withhold my optimism this year, uh, hard. Uh, The next one, um, how many ACC teams are among the sixteen that we now have in the conference are going to make the NCAA tournament? Uh, Donald, why don't you go first?
1: Uh, So I have seven teams. I have Duke, UNC, Miami. Virginia, Louisville, Notre Dame, and Virginia Tech. I think those seven make the NCAA tournament.
2: All right, Jason. Did 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 you say Virginia? He did say Virginia. I did say Virginia. Well, I, I don't know who the eighth will be, but I think it will be eight.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm with Jason. I I don't know which among that kind of next tier it is, but but I think one more sneaks in. So I got eight. Um, here's a category that I I came up with that I that I'm excited about. How many Blue Devils are going to score 25 points in a game this year? Um, I, and I, I will go first. Um, I think the number is four because um, I think it's the starters minus Trayvon Duvall. Donald, do you agree with me?
1: I said five. I said at one point, every one of the, the expected starting five will score 25 points in a game. And Jason.
2: I almost went five, and then I thought about it and thought about it some more, and I also went with four. Uh, I, so, I, think, I think Duvall won't quite get there. 25 is a lot of points.
0: Yeah, I, I tried to set a number that was, that was going to be hard for basically anybody. Um, I, I think that, like, I don't know, all of them are capable of it, but I could also envision scenarios where only Grayson Allen gets there because and and everybody still has stellar seasons they just don't have that game um so i thought i was reaching for for four but we shall see all right so so
2: wait so i'll say this so if we were talking about only games played after january 1st like if we were lopping off all the you know sort of bs games against you know mediocre opponents yeah. Um, then, then the answer would be one. I think it will only be Grayson Allen. Like once we hit ACC season, it'll only be Grayson Allen.
0: But I think that
2: they're going to they're gonna be games, you know, uh, some of these crazy teams we play that where um, the other guys are going to have big games.
0: I, I mean, I, I, I can see that being the case, right? Duke plays schools like South Dakota and Evansville and St. Francis. Um, and, yeah. and all these games are in Cameron and Furman. Yeah, you never know yeah yeah um, no i I'm, i I agree with you um i I'm, I actually think that it's not it, that won't matter as much because like Trent i feel like is going to score twenty five points in a game and it'll happen maybe it'll happen against a crummy ACC opponent or it might happen against a good one and he's just is having a night um but yeah no th- that that uh that is an interesting part of the calculus all right, let's move um to another interesting one for this year. I want you to rank the top four big men. So I'm, I'm counting Marvin Bagley, Marquis Bolden, uh, Wendell Carter, and Javin Delorier as the top four. Tell me in what order they will finish in total minutes, Donald.
1: Uh, I went with Bagley, Carter, Delorier,
0: and Bolden. Jason, did you have the same?
2: I had exactly the same, yeah.
0: Yeah, so did I. So there goes that category.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I was... <laughs> I
0: I I I kind of threw this in because I was wanting to see if either of you was gonna was gonna pick either of the freshmen to end up with freshman jitters or or foul trouble issues, um, and uh, and that wasn't the case. So uh, who cares? This category is gone. Let's go next. Here's the next one. Yeah. Wait. You uh, know what?
2: It's re- it's really interesting that yeah all three of us think Deloria is going to get more minutes than Bolden. Now I, I think that mostly because I think Deloria is going to be capable of playing on the wing. Um. Uh, you know, uh, obviously more than Bolden can, and I think that it's going to. I think Bolden's going to have trouble getting. Uh, Bolden must play center, and I think Wendell Carter is going to mostly play center, and I think it's going to be tough for Bolden to get minutes from Wendell Carter. Um, I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of time that Duke plays Bolden and Carter together. Maybe a little bit, but not a lot, um, and that's why I think De Even though you know Coach K has sort of refer- referred to Bolden as his sixth starter and the such. Um, And and when you sort of contemplate who could be a starter, you you consider Bolden before DeLaurier. I just think the opportunity is there for DeLaurier.
0: Yeah. So I when I I, when I put this question in there, I really wanted it to be how many minutes a game do we average the three big lineup? Um, But I I didn't have a good way to to count it as we like we would have had to we would have had to like update it every game. um, which I'm sure we could do. It would just be it would be more cumbersome. Um, so really, I'm interested I mean, in I was how many minutes a game do you think we're going to see three, three big lineups?
1: Yeah, well, I think with DeLore, the reason I picked him to go third is because I think he can pose cover uh, in a lineup where you see foul trouble amongst our guards. Uh, because he can play on the wing, because he can defend on the wing, I think he's he going to see a little bit more time in the off-chance that a Duvall, Trent, or Allen gets into some foul trouble and we want to go with a big lineup. He's going
0: to be, I think, he's going to be the option off the bench uh, before Bolden. We'll yeah, that's a, uh, that's an, a, a, probably the, the right way to think about it. I think. Um, let's move to another uh, to to some other ones that are going to be harder for us to hit, kind of right on the nose. Um, but the next the next question is: uh, This is the Jason Evans special. How many total minutes is Jordan Goldwire going to play, Jason?
2: Okay, so I I thought about this a long time. So did I. As did I. Marquise Bolden played 157 minutes last year, even though um, he didn't appear in plenty of games. Um, But he played 157 minutes. Uh, And I sort of think Jordan Goldwire, um, who I think will be our primary backup at point guard, um, even though Grayson Allen looked great playing point guard, you know, when Trevon Duval was out, but I think Goldwire will get minutes as our backup point guard. I think Goldwire will play a little more than Bolden did last year. He's not going to play in every game, but I, I went with 160, just slightly more than Bolden played last season. And, and I think there will be a number of games where he plays eight plus minutes um, because it's a blowout. All right. So, so, sorry, give me your number again, total? One, one, six, zero, 160. All right, Donald, what's
0: your, what's your Jordan Goldwire minutes prediction?
1: So I, I probably went bold with this. Um, I was thinking about how many minutes do I expect him to play at the beginning of the season and how many minutes a game I expect him to be in the next in the four towards the end of the season and kind of pick the average in the middle of that and, and, and multiply and get a little bit of, of that. But in the end, I think he's going to play – a lot more than we we're probably thinking he will. I think he's got as the primary backup uh guard, I think he may see a lot more minutes than we're expecting. And so I went bold. I went three hundred and twenty eight minutes. And I know that's a high number.
2: Whoa. Oh my
1: god. I think
2: that's how we're going.
1: So oh, the wow. um
2: that's a huge number. <laughs> I told you for a guy I who's not you. even he's not even a top two hundred player. Oh, that is that's impressive.
0: Well, if we if we know that he's the eighth man on the team, um, you know, kind of regardless of the recruiting ranking, if 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 we know that he's the eighth man, it um, seems like a logical pick. I actually went higher than Jason did um, because I think there will be blowouts, and I also think that Coach K is going to come up with excuses to rest um, those other guys. Um, so. I went, with, uh, I went with 237 minutes. Uh, I thought I was going to end up on, on, the, on the lowest end here, but Jason, uh, Jason outdid me. Um, yeah. So that's uh, it's kind oh, of interesting.
2: I, I mean, I hope I'm wrong. I, just, I, I suspect there are going to be a pretty fair number of games where he doesn't play at all. He may be the eighth man. I think there are going to be a fair number of games where he doesn't play at all. And I love the kid, and I think he's going to be way, way better than anyone even began to expect. And I think that when he plays, we will we will look at him and go, "Wow, you know, he did admirably. He he played good defense. He held onto the ball. You know, Jordan Goldwire, you know, absolutely can play point guard at this level. But I think I I think I I, I will say this: I revised my minutes down significantly after this latest exhibition game after seeing how good Grayson Allen looked playing point guard.
0: So, um. One data point that I think is interesting to look at is Grayson Allen's production his freshman year, where he was kind of in a similar spot on the bench. Um, He played 322 minutes that year. Now, I realize that there's a little bit of a weird circumstance because Rashid Suleiman was kicked off the team um, early in January, so that kind of changed the rotation a little bit. But 322 minutes for freshman Grayson Allen. Um, Again, not necessarily the same recruiting level, but maybe the same spot in the rotation. Um, could be an, an interesting and that'll be that'll be a fun one to watch. Now, um, all right, let, let's do another one of those. Alex O'Connell total minutes, um, who I would imagine is is even lower um, on the on the rotation than um, than Jordan Goldwire is. So I'm going to start with this one. I'm going to give him uh, 73. Alex O'Connell, 73 minutes for the season.
2: I I went with uh, a much higher number than you. <laughs> Uh, last year, Antonio Vrankovic played uh, about 100 minutes. Um, and I think that there will be more blowouts this year than there were last year for Duke. Um, and so uh, so I'm going 130 minutes for Alex O'Connell. Okay. Donald?
1: I literally looked at, uh, you know, I, I did look at what we, you know, people did last year uh, as far as like the minutes of someone who's like a 9, 10, 11 uh, off the bench range. Uh, I literally just said with 12 times 12, it's
0: 144. So I
2: will 144. Okay. Donald, I am pleased, Donald, that after being unable to do nine plus three equals 12, that you were able to do 12 times 12 equals 144. I think that's
0: right. It's the the number in the corner of the the multiplication table, right? So it's an easy one to remember. (laughs)
1: Uh,
0: uh, Here's another one for guys down at the end of the bench. How many games will Justin Robinson appear in uh, I went with nine. Uh, Donald, what did you pick?
1: Uh, you read my script, because I also have
0: nine. And Jason?
2: I'm going big on that. I'm going 14. Javin 14.
1: Javin Delorier.
2: Yeah, wait. Javin Delorier appeared in 12 games last year, and I think there will be more blowouts that will help Justin Robinson get get time this year, so I'll go 14.
0: All right, and and in honor of... Of Donald's unbridled optimism about the 2016-2017 <laughs> season, we're going to wrap with our final category. How ten. many hundred? How many ten. hundred point games is Duke going to
1: have this year, Donald? Why don't you go ahead and start us off? Ten.
2: Come on, ten.
1: I, I started with ten, uh, to go with tradition, <laughs> but in the end, I am going with four. I think we'll get four, four games,
0: which is still a big number, as we discussed ten. last year, Jason.
2: I also have four. God, I'm so mad now. You know what? Right. I'm, rev- I'm revising. I'm revising. I, in second position, I'm going with three.
0: All right. I went with two. Um, we only had one last year. It's ho- it's hard to score a hundred points anymore. Um, Unless so you're playing I-
2: Bowie State.
0: Right, but we don't play Bowie State in the regular season.
2: So,
0: <laughs> um, so I- I'm going with two. Okay. So that that wraps up the uh, the prediction game for this year. Uh, we will post all the results of this. I'll remove the categories where we where we came up all with the same with the same answers. There were a couple of those.
2: Um, well, you should but, post uh, it anyway. Post it anyway. Oh, we,
0: we, we can still post it. I just we won't the have time. Folks to really it
2: want people really want to know. <laughs> yeah, that, that, right. that,
0: that's true. So um, so that's the prediction game. We'll we'll update at the end of the season as we've done the last few years. I hope that this year I can finally win one of these contests because uh, I did come up with it. And what fun is coming up with a game if you can't win. Um, but uh, but I, think, I think we're excited for the, for the season. I, th- I think before we, before we do parting shots and wrap, let, let, uh, I want to ask each of you, is there, um, is there something in particular that you're looking for from the team kind of here early in the season that, that we want to be watching
1: out for, Donald? Uh, that's a good question. I think the one thing that I'm looking for initially is to see how the freshmen respond on defense. Uh, that's usually where we run into issues in the early season. That's really where, you know, a lot of times you get these quick timeouts by coach to yell at the team is because we're being lazy on the defense. I want to see the energy uh, carry over into the regular season because I think that's going to be very important for our momentum going forward, uh, especially, you know, with a big test against Michigan State uh, and then at Indiana, um, here in november so i think that's what i'm looking for will the energy translate especially in the form of defense steals black shots altered shots i want to see our freshmen really get after it um uh, in this first couple of games
2: jason uh so i'm going to be looking at um one of the most important statistics in college basketball which is um how many three-pointers are you making i think that as duke begins to play teams that um can uh, you know, closer match up with us in size. These exhibition games, obviously we were playing teams that couldn't match up with us size-wise at all. I think that as we play legit Division I teams, they're going to pack it in more and more and more against Duke. And, uh, and I think that is going to require us to, to demonstrate that we can hit three-pointers. Uh, against Bowie State, Gary Trent and Grayson Allen were the only guys in on the team to hit a three-point shot. Um, and I, I, and we only hit 28% of our threes. Uh, now, I mean, obviously this is a game where we scored 116 points. We didn't need to hit a lot of three pointers, but I think one of the most important things for Duke is going to be the, uh, our ability to force defenses away from the basket a little bit, which will give room for Wendell Carter, Marvin Bagley, uh, Mark Bolden and, and others to operate in the lane, um, and I think that's going to be really, really, really important. Really important.
0: I think to build on that, the thing I'm looking for is offensive rebounding. Because, um, like you said, Duke only has really the, the two guys we're going to rely on for shooting. And if if they want the three-pointer to be a significant part of the offense, the offensive rebounding has to be there to to kick the ball back out to them to get second opportunities. Um, so be it Carter or Bagley or Bolden, um, perhaps DeLaurier, I want to see those guys going up for, for offensive rebounds and getting them and, and turning them back into second chance, not just the putbacks, but the but three-pointers as well. This episode of the Duke Basketball Report podcast is brought to you by Bird Campbell PA. We have another story uh, from the Bird Campbell guys uh, as, as they have generously provided along with their support of the show. So Jamie Campbell uh, wanted us to pass along this story. He said that the single coolest experience for any Duke basketball nut is the Coach K Fantasy Basketball Academy. Without question, it should be at the top of every Duke bucket list. So um, his story from from his first academy, uh, he said that after four full days of full court competitive games, all played in Cameron, uh, they came to the finals on Sunday morning. He could barely walk because his hamstring was so sore. Uh, He was actually worried about having permanent damage to that hamstring uh, and knew that he had to go to work on Monday, but he was going to leave it all out on the court. So before the game, he walked over to his head coach, Chris Collins, um, who, as he says, is probably one of the nicest, but most competitive guys you'll ever meet. And he says, "Uh, coach, if you don't mind, uh, I don't think I can play this one. I can barely walk. And, and coach Collins looks back at him with his intense stare and points to the coach K logo on the floor and says, rather, rather loudly, uh, with with the expletives removed, uh, this is Coach K court. Coach K is over there. This is his court. What do you mean you want to sit this one out? Are you bleeping crazy? So, um, Needless to say, uh, Jamie played the next game and survived, lived to tell the tale, uh, but uh, I think the lesson here is everybody should see if they can attend uh, Coach K's fantasy camp that is taught by the players and by the coaches and thanks uh, again to bird Campbell for the sponsorship this week. And for many of the most recent episodes. All right, before we wrap up with parting shots, I know that Jason wanted to talk about uh, some recruiting news that is hopefully coming to pipe this week. Duke has uh, potentially a commitment coming from another, uh, top guy. And actually, um, Jason, you, you can go ahead and, and talk about him. And we can also mention that Duke got a commitment a couple of weeks ago from another five-star recruit, and we totally overlooked it. So why don't you tell us about R.J. Barrett first?
2: Sure. So uh, this coming Friday, um, uh, Canadian basketball prospect R.J. Barrett, who some people consider the finest prospect to come out of Canada um, perhaps ever. and And I'm including um, Andrew uh, Wiggins, Andrew Wiggins. I'm including Andrew Wiggins in that. Yes. People think RJ Barrett may be a better prospect than Andrew Wiggins. That's how good this kid is. RJ Barrett on Friday will announce his finalists are Duke, Kentucky, and Oregon. It's, it's so sweet. It's so really nice that he included Oregon, um, uh, a Nike school and, and RJ Barrett is associated with Nike. Um, and, and I think it's just, you know, it's, it's great that Oregon is in there, but no one no one on the planet thinks he's going to pick Oregon. He's either going to pick Duke or Kentucky. And almost all the experts say that this kid's going to pick Duke. He is the number one, he was the number one recruit in the class of 2019. He then reclassified to the class of 2018, and he is considered the number one recruit in the class of 2018. He's about six foot six inches tall. He's a small forward. And this guy is one of the most dynamic playmakers with the ball in his hands that you will ever see at the high school level and next year at the college level. Um, An unbelievable array of moves, ability to get off his shot. Um, He is somewhat legendary because uh, this past summer, um, now RJ Barrett is only 17, but he was playing on Canada's under 19 basketball team, the national team, the U19 team for Canada. And he was playing in the basketball world cup, Um, and uh, he was playing against Team USA. Canada played Team USA in the semifinals of the International Under-19 World Cup, and Canada beat the U.S. 99-87, to and they basically beat the U.S. because R.J. Barrett scored, wait for it, 38 points on Team USA. Now, there are guys who are currently on Duke. There are guys who are big-time recruits. Um, Cameron Reddish, who's a big, big time recruit for Duke, was trying to stop R.J. Barrett in this game. He failed. All the best under-19 players in the U.S. failed to stop R.J. Barrett. That's how dynamic this kid is with the ball in his hands. He can create his shot and get his shot as well as anyone around. He played on the Nike EYBL circuit um, this past year. The EYBL is the most significant, the biggest you know, high school AAU showcase, and RJ Barrett led the EYBL in scoring. He averaged 28 points per game. You know who the number two scorer on the EYBL was? Marvin Bagley, who averaged 25 points per game. So he was a bigger scorer than Marvin Bagley, even though he's a year younger. Uh, this kid is absolutely incredible. Uh, he's not a great three-point shooter yet, and that's part of what's terrifying about him. Uh, The the pros, the NBA scouts look at him and they say, he's scoring like this. He's getting his shot, even though he only hit 31% of his threes on the Nike EYBL. In the World Championships, he only hit 24% of his threes. He's not a great three-point shooter, but they're like, it's clear. If you look at his stroke, if you look at his ability to score, he's going to become a great three-point shooter. And that's just terrifying. And everyone says that on Friday, this kid is going to pick Duke um and uh i really I, I, god i hope he does cuz i don't want to play against him cuz he's borderline unstoppable he will be the first pick in the 2018 draft uh, sorry 2019 draft and uh, and we're really looking forward to this and it's this will just be the latest unbelievable incredible coaching uh, uh i'm sorry recruiting coup by coach k uh
0: donald did you have anything to add about recruiting i i i i uh, i know that we have another player that we got a commitment
1: from this week uh, if you wanted to talk about him a little bit. Uh, Let me talk about RJ very quickly uh, and then I'll kick it back to Jason. Uh, He is a world-class talent, uh, very simply put. Um, you know A lot of things that Jason said uh, about him are true. Um, He is dynamic and when you watch him play, you you realize that you're watching him play and it's almost like he's the only player in the gym. Um, That's the kind of player that he is. It's the kind of talent that he has. And I think uh, it would be incredible to get to uh, land him on Friday. And hopefully that is the case.
0: Hopefully uh, Barrett comes through for Duke. Jason seems optimistic about it. I guess the uh, the recruiting gurus feel the same way. I did want to note that Duke got a commitment uh, last week or the week before last week, um, last week from it,
2: it. It actually, it happened right after we recorded. It was, our, yeah, right. We, yeah. Which is so kind of why we, 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 didn't we missed it
0: a
1: little bit.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, Well, it wasn't our fault. It wasn't our (laughs) fault. Uh, We didn't know he was committing Joey Baker, who is a, who is a North Carolina kid. He's a small forward. um, And is ranked like in the low twenties in the composite rankings. So uh, he's still a five-star guy. He's still, he's still probably going to play next year or in in two years rather when he, when he matriculates um, because he is a five-star prospect, but um, it just goes to show you that, that Duke is Duke is so spoiled right now that the, the excitement over Joey Baker's commitment, like barely registered on the DBR forum, even though he's a five-star player and he's from North Carolina, which is a thing that, that people like to get themselves riled up about. Um,
2: and and so, by the way, the, the best thing about Joey Baker is that a month ago um, before he visited Duke and got an official offer for, he got, he visited Duke on September 30th. That's when he got his official offer. He committed less than a month later on October 29th. Um, Uh, Right prior to that, if if you went back to the beginning of September before he visited Duke, uh, everyone, everyone, everyone said that this kid was going to go to UNC. And then he came to Duke, he got an offer, and he said, nope, not going to be a Tar Heel, I'm going to be a Blue Devil. So I love Joey Baker.
0: Gotta love that. Gotta love that. So good recruiting news last week for Duke. Hopefully that continues uh, this week as well. So we'll wrap up the show here with parting shots. I'll start with Donald. What is your parting shot for this
1: week? I actually just forgot it.
2: Can you do oh, Jason well, first? Well, that's a bummer. Uh, Jason, <laughs> do, you, do you have one? Uh, yes. Um, so my parting shot is these words. The book is not written. And by that I mean, don't ever decide that someone is or not something until they're all finished. And I'm talking about Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is in his seventh season in the NBA. And prior to season number seven on the Boston Celtics, his first season with the Celtics, the book on Kyrie Irving was he's a great offensive player and a terrible defensive player. Folks, Kyrie Irving is rewriting the book. He has turned into a really, really good, not great, but a really good defensive player for the Boston Celtics. Kyrie Irving leads the NBA right now in steals. Uh, And I'm telling you, those are words I never thought I'd say. He is averaging 2.6 steals per game. He leads the league in steals. He has the fewest turnovers per game of his career. He's fouling less than he has. uh, And he's still a dynamic scorer and playmaker. Um, And he's doing all the things on offense, but he's added defense. Now, I'm not saying Kyrie Irving's the best defensive player in the league. I'm not saying Kyrie Irving's going to make first-team All-NBA defense. He's not there yet, but he's a heck of a lot closer than he was when he played for the uh, Boston—I'm sorry, when he played for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And there are a lot of folks who thought he was making kind of a strange move when he pushed to leave Cleveland and leave LeBron James. There are a lot of people who thought that he was making a mistake and that Boston maybe gave up too much to get Kyrie Irving. And those folks are being silent right now because Kyrie Irving is a completely different player on the Celtics. And I also want to give a shout out to Brad Stevens, the coach of the Celtics who has, who continually finds a way to get the most out of his players. And he's getting the most out of Kyrie Irving and the most out of Kyrie Irving is a special, special thing.
0: I like it. Donald, did you, uh, or actually before, before I
2: throw it to Donald,
0: I would add onto Jason's that, that we have, we have seen examples of, of players and there's, I think one very prominent Duke player, JJ Reddick, who came into the league kind of expecting, you know, not to play much might might carve out a role as a little bit of a shooter. And uh, he's been in the NBA now for, what, 12 years and is still going strong and and has has become, I think, uh, kind of one of the best of at, at what he does. Um and I don't know that anybody expected it to last that long for him, and especially during his first stint in Orlando when he was barely playing. Uh, look at him now; he's like a he's like a you know one of those smart veterans who who still gets lots of minutes because he's still really good. Um, so I, I think it's a great it's a great point made, Jason. Donald, did you remember your parting shot?
1: I did, but uh, to, just to piggyback on the on the cat or uh, I'm sorry, on the Kyrie. Uh, uh, Parting shot, I think the Cavs really missing right now because if you can tell, uh, LeBron literally has to throw up 60 points for them to have a chance anymore because uh, they're not scared of this, the other guys on the team hurting them. And, and that's where Kyrie really made them uh, very, very difficult uh, to play against. Um, so by that the will be way, interesting by to see the game going.
2: By the way, the Cleveland Cavaliers lost to the Atlanta Hawks tonight in Cleveland. Oh. And, and, and let me tell you something. The, the Hawks are terrible. I'm, I'm bummed that the Hawks won that game. I want the Hawks to lose as many games as possible. I want them to get a good draft pick. I want them to draft Marvin Bagley. But the Cavs, whew, if, if the playoffs were today, the Cavs would not be in the playoffs. And let me tell you something. The Cavs could win a couple games in a row, and they still wouldn't be in the playoffs. It'll
1: so be interesting to see. My part shot that I forgot, it was really just to... Uh, send a little love to my law school alma mater's football team, uh, the University of Miami. Uh, they are 8-0 uh, and are going for pretty much everything. They are they're right in the thick of things when it comes to the playoffs um, with college football. They played Notre Dame this weekend, so I just want to send them a little love. Homecoming last weekend, uh, they beat they both beasted uh, Virginia Tech 28-10. Uh, and next up is Notre Dame, and hopefully that was going that's going to be one of those games where uh, we put we take them to the woodshed and uh, give them the beatdown that they deserve. So show some love to the U. Uh, turnover chains in the building. All
2: right. So wait. Say so, hey, Donald. I can't believe this because you are usually the man who does this. I thought for sure that your parting shot would be an obscure. Duke athletic team succeeding cuz you're usually the best about that. Did you see what the field hockey women did?
1: I did not. I was going to talk about the Duke women's soccer or soccer team, but they ended up losing in the title of the game. Um but I did not see what uh the field hockey did. Uh field hockey team did. So tell us what happened.
2: The Duke, Duke the Duke field hockey team, the NCAA tournament seedings were just announced. They're the number 2 overall seed. Um I think uh who is it? I think UConn may be number one. I forget who it was who's number one, but Duke is the number two overall seed. They will host the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament um, in Durham. Uh, and and you know, props, congrats to the Duke field hockey team that, um, that, that that number two seed overall. They're they're sixteen and three on the season, and they're seven and one at home. Um, so you have to like their odds of advancing pretty far in the NCAA tournament.
0: And and they've never won a national championship, I believe. So, um, gunning for that for that first one for that program. There you go. Cool. Yep. Uh, I'm going to finish this week by also talking about football and just reiterating that I'm headed up to the uh, to the Army Duke game this coming weekend. Uh, I know that football's a little bit fallen off the radar, um, just because the team has not been not been playing as well the last month as they did the first month of the season, but I am excited to get up to West point and, and check out the, the football scene there. Um, And for those who are watching the game, the key that you'll hear harped on often is that um, is that army doesn't pass. They only run the ball. Um, And uh, so Duke's Duke's rush defense better be ready to go. And I hope we win. Um, But regardless, I'm sure I'm going to have a good time. I do have, I do have a decent record of for going to Duke football games, but. Um, we'll see how this one plays out.
2: We need a win. We definitely need a win.
0: yeah, th- th- this is when we have to win if we have any shot of going back to a bowl game this year. So um we'll see how that goes. If we win, uh, maybe we'll we'll get to talk about it more next week on on the show. so um, before we before we wrap, just a reminder, we're going to have another episode coming out later this week uh, to talk specifically about the basketball games that are coming this weekend uh, to come to you with a with a uh, an interview with another ACC coach, who Jason caught up with recently, and uh, so you'll you'll be on the lookout for that. And then uh, pretty soon it'll be the Champions Classic, only a little over a week away from right now. So um, happy basketball season, everybody! Get excited. We get to we get to watch Duke basketball for real, for real again, um, very very soon. Um, so so this has been the 2017 2018 preview show for Duke Basketball Report podcast for Donald wine, for Jason Evans, I'm Sam Klein. Thanks for tuning in again. Um, and, uh, and just a reminder, um, that we're now that, now that we're, we're, uh, we've got a couple <laughs> new ventures sort of going on here. Uh, if you enjoy the show, um, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and Google or Stitcher or SoundCloud and make sure to leave us a review. Um, if you don't like the show, uh, feel free to email your complaints over to us at DBR at gmail.com. um, uh, you can also comment on our, on the threads that we start in the forum at forums.dukebasketballreport.com. Um, we always have a, we always have a post in there dedicated to each episode of the show. And finally, if you want to sponsor a show, uh, you can email us at that same address, dbrpodcast@gmail.com And we will get you all the information for sponsoring the program. Um, so once again, for Donald and Sam, uh, I'm, or for Donald and Jason, rather, I'm Sam Klein, uh, Duke Band, take us home.